Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today, I got a fun episode to share with you. I just had a talk with a guy named Ramin Nazar. Ramin is a talented guy. He is an animator, an artist, an author, a comedian, a musician, and a podcaster. I highly recommend you check out his Instagram, at Ramin Nazir, and uh, he's got a really awesome style that I think you'll like, So, and I had a great time talking to him. So please, without further delay, enjoy this conversation with Ramin Nazir. Hey, Ramin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's a really an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. We're already in the show. Hey, listeners, how's it going? Hope you're having a good time without college. Or <laughs> well, let me ask you, did, did you go to college? I did. I went to four years of University of Texas at Austin. I started out as an electrical engineering major, and then I switched to advertising, and I finished it, and um, yeah, never went to grad school, but I have, um, you know, I have, uh, immigrant parents who are all about the education, doctor, lawyer, engineer, like that's the, the path to success for them. So they were very, um, you know, of course I had to finish college, but, uh, very much wanted me to go to grad school as well. So I'm a little bit of a black sheep, I guess, for not going to graduate. I see. Okay. What do they, what do they think about what you do now? Oh, it's taken them a while, but they're they're never not supportive in in a outwardly like no, you shouldn't be doing this, but not not also supportive like oh, you're doing great, which I guess that's a good bit of tension to have because I don't know, I see people with really supportive parents sometimes of everything they do is good, especially if they're in the arts and the the work is not good, it's objectively not good, but you don't want the parents that are too anti maybe i guess that that puts you too much in a depression hole or maybe it makes even better work i don't know but i felt like they were the right amount of guidance and also like what is this art thing cuz it's tough to explain especially to the older generation how how all this is today like with instagram and shopify and pinterest and facebook and all these little platforms that we can monetize and have little troughs of income dripping into one bank account instead of having a steady paycheck with job security and that's that kind of stuff. It's tough to explain that paradigm because it didn't exist 10 years ago. So that was the big, um, I don't know, that's a difficult thing to communicate with them. They still kind of don't really understand what I do, but I, think <laughs> I don't either. So, I mean... With that in mind, like, how would you describe to somebody you met on the street? And maybe for those listeners out there who aren't already familiar with your work, how would you describe what you do? I'm an artist. I uh, make different kinds of things from cartoons to books. Uh, I make music and animations. And um, I post most of it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like, I would 
like we all have our phones out right now, which is a, a great thing to do. Cause when you say if someone on the street walk up to you and said, what will you do? What do you do? It's never a person on the street. That's a weird interaction. But what happens a lot is you're at a wedding or something. And then the career thing comes up. And before I would pull out, before I could pull out my phone and do that, it was a tough thing to describe. But now I can literally just pull up books and pieces and stuff like, oh, here's one book that I sell. Here's this other one that's coming out. Here's some Instagram posts, those things. And then they start to to get it they just start scrolling through the device and then you can fade into the background like that homer simpson gif where he goes into <laughs> the bushes and not have to deal with it anymore because i hate talking about what i do not in this context i love being a podcaster and that type of thing but trying to trying to explain what you are from zero is is not that fun yeah it's a loaded question and especially given that you know it's uh, again, it's something that most maybe people of our generation can understand or wrap their head around it, but a lot of people won't be able to understand, like your parents, how your multifaceted talent stack, you know, is is a real career for you. Yeah, and I think the the number of eyeballs you have on you and the number in your bank account is really all that matters. Because if you say you're an artist, then it's like, oh sure, and people are just imagining in their head like really bad seventh grade level art or something like that a picture of a bird that kind of looks like a bird and like oh that's nice like who pays the bills then but you're like oh i'm an artist and here's some people i've worked with here's some things i sell and if they see that number next to your name maybe they're impressed by a hundred thousand or a million or maybe they're impressed by even a few thousand people following you depends how into influencer dynamics they are and um you know, you, you've been doing it for a while. I think that's impressive too. When I tell people, oh, I haven't had a job in six years, then that often makes people be like, oh, okay. Oh, you're a real artist. Yeah. So you do have to work for it, I guess. And I wouldn't have it any other way because you could be like, I don't know, the Will Smith kids and they're fine, I'm sure. And um, not that everything they do is not good. I honestly don't know what the, the art of the Will Smith and Jada Smith kids do, but they were they were brought up and many people like that like they never had to worry about money or what their life is going to be like they have a different set of problems i guess i shouldn't throw them under the bus right away it's difficult being a child of a celebrity and growing up with growing up with having everything that's probably got its own set of challenges but i like the the journey i'm on where i do have to work for every everything i have and uh, all the any attention I get is predicated on something I actually do and not who I'm the kid of or I was in this movie or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. So walk me through what what happened. So you graduate college, did what your parents, you know, sort of expected or wanted out of you, got the degree in marketing. Breaking their hearts though, because the <laughs> breaking their heart was switching out of engineering and they didn't like uh. And I had to convince them like, no, look at all these ads everywhere. Like advertising is a, you know, $500 billion industry. You know, I'm a much more visual person and artsy minded. I can't really wrap my head around circuit theory and stuff like that. As soon as they're explaining it with these symbols and this boring guy, and I don't know why I'm doing this because what a guaranteed starting salary. I don't like, I only get this one life. Why do I have to do this? Come on. It's still a 
it's still a career thing. I'm not throwing it away. Eventually, they're like, okay, yeah, it's, that's fine. And then out of college, I started an ad agency with three close friends from school. And it ended up being much more of a web agency than a print ad or billboard agency because web was starting to really pick up. This was the, you know, 2006 through 2010. So people were still needing websites back when there wasn't Wix or Squarespace or Shopify or things that made a good looking website for you. So that was, that was in high demand and you could make pretty good money from it. And we did that, and eventually, uh, I think we all got tired of it around 2010. I had started doing stand-up comedy in 2007, and I was starting to just, my interest was just going more and more and more towards that. And I would, the drawing stuff was, I'd, I'd done a college comic strip, before that, so I'd already been doing the the drawing stuff, but I was really, really getting into the stand-up stuff more. And I would make my own posters and album art and stuff like that. And then eventually moved out to Los Angeles in 2013, 2014 to pursue that more. And as a result of moving out here, the the stand-up kind of, it's still going on, but I, I started to get back more interested in the visual art type of stuff, posting on social media more because I realized that that's where all our attention is. And um, I don't know if you want to communicate with an audience, then especially in nowadays, that's where you need to be. Uh, this feels like just one big run on sentence. Where does it where does it stem back to? It stems <laughs> the, the going to school, switching out of engineering, switching to advertising, getting more into the stand up world, and then from the stand up world, sort of uh, it blurs into whatever thing I'm doing now. Which are you familiar with Gary Sh Gary Shandling at all? No, tell me about him. So Gary Shandling's the stand-up comic who also had that show, the Larry Sanders show and the Gary Shandling show um, on HBO. And what was the other one on? He had a good documentary about him. He died recently, like in the last three years or something. Judd Apatow made a documentary about him. And something that really stuck out to me was the way that he would get tired of something and just walk away from it. And he just couldn't walk back into the room. Like he was also an engineering student and in the middle of an engineering lab one day he just he walked out into the park and he just couldn't walk back into the building he couldn't do it and that's how he left school he didn't go through the formal process of telling the people like oh i have to go he just stopped going to the building like and he did that with his show he did that with uh um stand up eventually and i think i i relate to that on some level where it's not as clean of a break but i do find myself eventually blurring out of one mode of expression and into another one while also trying to make the money thing work because we're still in a world where that's a, that's a very important energy exchange. We're still not these evolved Star Trek, the next generation beings that don't have to go to work. We all have to work. Sorry. Till 2000, what, 50 maybe? Yeah. So, you know, I feel like even after that, uh, you're going to have to do something to distinguish yourself. And that's what's interesting about what you're doing is, you know, you're sort of on the forefront of that, where if you can develop a personal brand and 
um, you know, sort of a likeness to you, you know, like your style of artwork uh, that, that becomes identified with you. You know, it's something that you can carry with you no matter what, you know, regardless of automation or anything like that. I think we're moving into a world where people are seeing our insides before they see our outsides, not in a gory blood gut sort of way, but a lot of people know me for my drawings and stuff before they even know what my face looks like, what my voice sounds like, any of that stuff. And I'm seeing that with people I know too, especially in the visual arts and music too. Like we know these aspects of different people without knowing what they look like. Like we could see them in the grocery store and not know that, Oh, I've been following that Instagram account for five years. That's crazy. And as we move more into VR, AR, we're already well into whatever inning this is of, of the internet. Like remember when they thought the internet was a fad? Are you from that? I'm, I'm born in 84. So I, I lived through the internet being dial up people thinking it's a fad. Why would you need a website? And now we're even past that. Remember it was, why do you need a website? And then of course you need a website. And now we're past it where, why would you need a website? We're already on LinkedIn. We're already on Instagram. We're already on Facebook. Why do I need a standalone website as, as a face to my brand when I have all these other outlets? So it's come full circle. Or I guess the future has become the past already. Flip phone. Yeah. Our old news. Um, smartphones were already tired of even hearing people say like when you're in a crowded restaurant like oh everyone's on their phone like yeah no shit everyone knows that we're all on our phones it's it's not going to go in the other way it's going to go more and more into the technology so it's about uh, I don't know reconciling with that dealing with it and being okay with it and keeping your mental mental health there yeah totally and I feel like now you know, like the new fad is things like cryptocurrency. People are like, yeah, it'll come and go. But it's probably going to be like the internet of, you know, like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a as an exchange, maybe not as communication because it's just a, a currency thing, but it's it's tough to wrap your head around it. I don't pretend to understand how all the details of it work, but I know that the future of of money has to be decentralized if we're going to actually evolve like it can't be a federal reserve printing money and having it not backed by anything and they're the controlling agency it has to work the way that um you know the way our bodies work the way that uh at the fundamental level the the proton works or some not to get too esoteric with it but when you when you look at these patterns in all of existence it does lead back to being this decentralized um, ecosystem, like not, I guess, true socialism is what it would what it would be called. That that term sucks now. Everyone, of course, hates the term communism, and a lot of people don't like the term socialism because every time it's tried to be executed, it, it hasn't worked out well. And um, I don't know if we can we can have that without like the true decentralized technology. But yeah, crypto is definitely going to be seen as, yeah, of course, crypto. Why were people not buying this? Like, why weren't people buying property in Manhattan a hundred years ago? Like, it's, of course, it's going to be worth so much money. How could they give that up? Yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's interesting to see how, uh, you know, everyone sort of responds to it in the same way that they've responded to other technology in the past. And I'm, I'm interested with the way that you've, uh, you know, like you're 
looking at the patterns of nature and trying to extrapolate that out to, you know, like how this technology might influence, you know, our world or, you know, future technology. Where, where did you, uh, where did you get that frame of thinking? Of uh, technology shaping our world, I guess. Of like pulling out like natural patterns and trying to apply that to, you know, other realms or aspects like I'm technology. Watching YouTube videos of, um, of, I guess, for lack of a better word, attempts at unified field theory, whether it's people talking about how it's all a simulation, people talking about how it's all a hologram and it's fractal, what happens after we die, what is consciousness, that hard problem of consciousness. Because, um, you know, even the, the top neuroscientists today, like they can't answer the question, what is a thought? Like when it gets down to that level, it's, uh, okay, well, we can only, um, kind of like with the dictionary, you can only describe words in the dictionary using other words in the dictionary. It's the self-referential shell game in a way, like you can't actually uh, describe what that thing is. But patterns that I've seen come up are um, the idea that, you know, when, when science is trying to break down what what reality is and we say oh there's these cells and then it's made of molecules and then it's made of atoms and then it's made of quarks and then eventually we get to a point where okay the universe gets to this level of size and then it quits it can't go any smaller than that and then time and time again we're proven wrong that oh shit it does get smaller than that or with the with the macro oh shit it does get bigger than that there is more than the solar system there is more than the galaxy there is more than the the universe, the multiverse, the the going inside forever, the going outside forever. So instead of trying to look for a smallest particle or biggest thing, we should start looking for a fundamental pattern of division and unification in the cosmos. And since the big stuff is made of the little stuff, it would make sense that as above, so below. So in trying to figure out the the smallest and the biggest stuff, maybe on a personal level, it helps me deal with my own human condition of why I'm here and what it is I'm supposed to be doing and how can I get back in the flow. I think for me personally, that's why, that's why I like it. And I think that it's going to, we, there's lessons to be learned from the very big and the very small that can apply to today's crazy, ever-changing, go-go society. For sure. And, and let me ask you, did you get that? Did you hear as above, so below? Is that something that you've, uh, did you read the Kybelion? You heard that book before? The Kabbalah? Kabbalah. Yeah. I totally uh, watched that. I think, I think that is referenced in that it is in, in some of the Vedic texts, maybe in the, the Bhagavad Gita as well. And, um, you know, and then people today like Duncan Trussell and whoever, that also reference people that reference those texts. So it's tough to say where it. I first heard it, but uh, I've heard it a lot of different places. So- yeah, it's, um, and I, what I think is, uh, I, you know, it's interesting to hear you say this stuff because I, I have an interest in this as well. And it, you can sort of tell that your mind goes to these places by looking at your artwork. Uh, you know, I, I was... I saw that your book, uh, when you die and, you know, sort of exploring these different realities after, 
you die of what, what could possibly happen. Uh, and what's interesting about it to me is that's a very complex, heavy idea, but it's written, you know, simple enough to be like a children's book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think that's the, I, I always bring up this Einstein quote, which I never remember the actual quote. I just botched the quote in different ways, different times. So this, this version's botching the Einstein quote is there's, there's no value in just understanding a complex concept and being able to articulate it in a way that only the top seven minds in the world understand it. Like true, true genius is to be able to take something very complex and, and make it understood by almost anyone. Like simplifying the, the complex is, is where it's at. There's no use in just being, oh, I'm smarter than everyone. If you don't understand what I'm saying, then you're not as smart as me. You better go to school, kid. Yeah, it's like a typical charlatan tries to make a either tries to make a simple idea complex or can't simplify a complex idea. Yeah, that's why kids are so good at asking questions. Like you know how five year olds can just ask the most pointed, like cut through all the bullshit questions and <laughs> just leaves adults like just dumbfounded, like, Oh man, I hadn't thought of that since I was since I was little and I haven't had to answer it and now I'm here having to answer to you and you're your bullshit detector is just uh, off the charts. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Uh, kids have like so much less attachments to different words and different ideas that they their brain is definitely way more free floating. Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing what the what the Zoomers are like. You know how the millennials are kind of are starting to be out of the conversation where, you know, it was all about millennials on the news and culture. Yeah. Just, that's the, that's synonymous with like the youth today, teenagers, millennials, and Zoomers are about to be a voting age. They're about to take the place of, of millennials. And then Gen X is people in Gen X are like in their fifties now. It's crazy. And it's going to be interesting seeing what these kids who grew up with, uh, super fast internet and social media and stuff. See the see the world. What the next iteration of this? What kind of problems they have? The the lines between things are blurring, and it's becoming very obvious that they are like uh, male and female. That's clearly blurred, regardless of what end of the political spectrum you're on. No one can deny that the the gender, like at least people saying that they are. Uh, um, somewhere in the middle of the spectrum of gender is is just off the charts. Uh, where we've got these filters that make us look old or like like women or like men. If we're a man, you can even put the man filter on yourself if you're a man, and it makes you like super caveman looking. Uh, you can look like a dog. You can look like a rabbit. Like our our the what our face is that's even even blurring and there's kids that are just growing up with all this stuff like it's the way we grew up with normal color tv so this next iteration is going to be very interesting yeah it's and what's super weird about it is how far removed this next generation is from the mechanical worlds so i feel like you know like our generation was sort of the bridge between our parents who lived in a purely mechanical world or were raised in a mechanical world and now it's all digital and there's, you know, you can't keep extending the bridge. It's just sort of these people are going to grow up in a world that's 
you know, all social media. They've had phones since they're like, you know, eight years old. They've had an iPhone or whatever. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And having the the types of technology that you can't repair, like you can repair a Dell, like desktop, you can pull the case apart and switch out the, the motherboard and the RAM and get a new hard drive in there. But it's tough to repair an Apple MacBook, MacBook Air or repairing an iPhone or repairing your Tesla or something like that. Like, forget about it. You don't get to crack that open and take a look at the engine. It's all just kind of sealed in like like something that you can't touch. Yeah, and, and what does that do for your understanding of these devices? You know, it's kind of like how we don't understand like how the pyramids were built. You know, it's like we just got so far removed from whoever built those that we can't even wrap our head around it. It's kind of like, you know, if you don't look at... Or, what was that? Oh, I love those theories too, like of how the how the pyramid was was made. Oh yeah, same. It's like you know, because you could just think about it and wonder about it endlessly, and it's kind of crazy that they sit there every single day, and we still have no clue. There's just nobody with a good idea, whether the pyramids or the other, uh, you know, like ancient structures that we we just you know are like geometrically perfect and require moving massive stones, and people just you know. We have iPhones, we have MacBooks. North, aligned to true north when we can't even do it today with, with all our our whatever, all our technology today can't do that. Supposedly, I don't know. I'm always just, I'm regurgitating like a, a two minute long Graham Hancock <laughs> yeah. into the pyramids and I don't know how to build buildings. So at the end of the day, it is all conjecture from me and from the people saying it was merely tombs and and from i don't know we're all full of shit in a little way it's because uh, you can only know what you know and you don't even know what you don't know that whole thing yep. is just a wide array of knowledge um i've, I've gotten really it, it sounds kind of cheesy and nonsensical to say but i've gotten really into the imagination recently which one might think that i'm all about that to begin with but in our private lives we we might not be you're thinking about the the latest episode of Big little lies or like why Game of Thrones didn't end the way it did but we're not spending a lot of time imagining what like how our, our future could be not just catastrophize, catastrophizing and mitigating risk and stuff but actually imagining a good good future and how the the imagination is is the most real thing we ever know because we experience it firsthand no one else experiences our imagination and everything else is just coming to us through sense data and sense data is already the past because by the time it gets into your senses and you process it you're already just seeing the past so the imagination is this very real thing to us but we we've learned to just think of it as oh unicorns and rainbows and it doesn't it's not real this thing i can knock my hand on is real but it's important to get back into your imagination because it's just so much more real than anything you'll you'll read or see or touch well it's sort of like we've we don't need to have an imagination anymore because you have so much media in your face whereas like people for all of you know human history and really up until like the tv you know or the radio needed to imagine whatever you know whatever story they were hearing or reading uh they would be filling in the the visual cues on their own but now with with you know tv movies and endless media to give you an idea of what things should look like or what they should 
appear like in your mind, it, it sort of dulls your imaginative sense. And you're right. It's like everything is your sensory information's in the past, but to do anything at all, like even if you wanted to just get up and close the door, you have to sort of imagine yourself real quick doing that to be able to actually do that. And I think uh, you're right. A lot of people need to be able to enhance their imagination for their future and what they actually want. Yeah. And it gets written off as the, you know, the secret and the law of attraction and Napoleon mm-hmm. Hill's think and grow rich. And of course there's uh, they, the, the individuals that have propagated these ideas. Of course you can take a microscope to their life and find that they're a, a flawed charlatan or something like that. But so much of the, the teachings, if you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, like it's some, some real fundamental, uh, good tools to to help you live a better life that also helps others live a better life because that's i don't know living a better life includes all of it the people around you the people you don't know and of course yourself not just be a martyr and help others and tell yourself that you suck yeah yeah absolutely it's interesting too to see sort of people's imaginations conflicting with each other like if you go on twitter you know it's like a battleground of different realities that people are imagining all at the same time. Yeah. It's nothing but, and it's, it's this old world is being torn down in a way it's, it's happening in such a blurry way, but who would have guessed that every single brand with the exception of maybe, I don't know three of them would have like pride as their, as their, (laughs) Like it was all about pride and rainbows for every single brand you can think of, like Shell, GE, whatever. They wouldn't have touched that a year or ten years ago. Remember him? Like four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah like against gay marriage. Like there's video clips of her and with the date on it too. So people are like, no, she wasn't against it in 2011. Like think again. We're going through some crazy changes. The way that uh, Me Too has has opened up um, both women and men's eyes. Like men really had no idea that every single woman in the whole world had had some kind of uh, experience with assault or some kind of thing, with, like regardless of the degree, some more mm-hmm. than others. And other women didn't, didn't know that. They thought they were alone and they had to keep it to themselves. And through coming out, they're like, oh shit, everyone did that. Like we had a year of just complete uncomfortable catharsis with that where uh, and you're hearing it from both sides like I know a lot of women they're like yeah since me too like no one's been asking me out on the the dating sites and stuff it's been it's been a very clear shift and I know I'm taking these data samples from specific cities and uh, some people are still not uh, maybe feeling that as much but yes yeah, a lot of a lot of I think it's a safe thing to say a lot of things have happened uh, that have changed us on the inside, but the outside seems like exactly like it was 10 years ago. Eric Weinstein talks about this a lot, how um, if you looked at a room today and didn't look inside of the, the phone, how would you know that it's 2019 and not 2010? Like there's seemingly no change to the external. Like even the clothes is kind of the same. The Everything is kind of the same, whereas the other decades, there would be these drastic shifts, and our shifts have gone all internally, all inside the, the apps in the, in the software side, not, not as much visibly on the hardware, hardware side. Yeah, 
Like we're supposed to have flying cars, but we have Facebook. We got FaceTime. I guess that's something, but most of us don't like it. The <laughs> the older generation likes to FaceTime with the grandkids and stuff. But I think us millennial slash Gen Xer cusp people are like, uh, it's kind of annoying to talk to a deck of cards size version of you that I'm looking down at and I can't really <laughs> hear well and it cuts out sometimes. Like I'd rather just be able to talk to you and have my my face free to not have to, you know, you have to like smile yeah. all the time. You can't have that dumb face that we normally have. Like right now my face isn't doing shit. Like it's looking around, it's not looking at you, it's uh, looking down at the floor. That would be a terrible video podcast if you saw me <laughs> my face, but it frees it up. So yeah, and I, what did this have to? I, I sidetrack a lot. I'm sorry if it. Oh uh, yeah, I think we've we're on a sidetrack of a sidetrack of a sidetrack, but that's all right. Um, it's the only I, I, I know. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I wonder where this is going to go, or at least when like the pendulum will swing back, because I think that's what we're seeing here is like. You know, like the Me Too thing is like things swung so far one way that they, that with our new technology and like the internet being able to share all these things, like it just sort of had to swing that way towards the Me Too movement. Whereas, you know, with all this technology and, and losing track of sort of the humanness of people and like, I, I wonder when that will swing back and what that will look like. And if, you know, humans in person or human service will become like a luxury good. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's gearing more towards empathy as much as there is a lot of cannibalism and um, people complain about social justice warriors eating their own even like they'll, they'll go hard attack on people on the left, even though deep down they are on the same side and they vote the same and they do believe the right things. But for whatever reason, the, the limited communication that took place on Twitter gave the, the attackers some some fuel to tear that person down and um where was i going with this the, the while, while there is this deconstruction taking place i think it is it does have empathy at its at its heart and we're learning to be more empathetic and not just so much uh me 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 which maybe that was the the 80s like everyone's rich like everyone can can get it there's computers the future blah 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 and the the pendulum did swing back the other way i guess with with trump being elected and the, the grab him by the pussy and all that kind of stuff and then i think me too was what what swung back in the other way in opposition to that because again i know a lot of women that after trump was elected they're like oh i'm just i'm just not going to be polite anymore fuck politeness fuck wearing a bra fuck all all of that it was this uh turning point of like okay now we're gonna actually double down on trying to you, you thought we were feminists before wait till you see this and uh um now it's 2019 <laughs> yeah now it's 2019 it happened out of nowhere the last three years just zoomed by this is like an episode of a lot of uh and this is how women feel and i've talked to a lot of women that understand these dynamics but once again i'm just full of shit i just thought Aren't we all? I, have you seen uh, you know what Elon Musk is doing with the Neuralink? I've I've watched some videos on it. I don't fully understand it yet, and I know that I would not like to be an early adopter. <laughs> I know that we would we're all going to be there. Like it, you don't really get to have much control over 
like the way the smartphone just became our entire lives just just out of nowhere not just one day but it slowly got to that boiling point where oh man i have to check eight different platforms eight different ways of getting getting mail and the neuralink uh it's it's talking about the benefits of you know controlling neurotransmitter regulation so it'll help a lot of people with schizophrenia bipolar um what else any any of those things that require that regulation so that's a potential upside. We all know the potential downside, which is you don't get to go home from work ever, which you thought you couldn't go home from work before. You thought you could escape your inbox before. You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to, your boss is going to think at you and, hey, how come you haven't thought back to my thought yet? It only takes a thought to reply back to my thoughts. Like I was, I was thinking about tits for 45 minutes. You don't get to think about tits till you've thought about these uh, think spreadsheets or something. TPS reports. Yeah, and I know this is a, a a a weird dystopian view of it, but it always ends up being a mix of the utopia and dystopia. It's not going to be like what Black Mirror says. It's not going to be like what Star Trek says because any any prediction of the future from now is taking certain variables, extrapolating them, and leaving out what variables we don't see yet. Which is why we imagine flying cars and. Uh, escalators, walking escalators everywhere instead of the internet because just no one saw the internet coming. There's some science fiction writers that kind of alluded to it, but none of them got it exactly right. Like they they kind of could hint at it, but how could they? How could they possibly know? So, I mean, with, with all these, you know, there's so much going on, all these crazy ideas to think about. Like what, how do you choose which one's to make into some art oh man that's the question huh i try to i try to act on what's still fresh an idea you're excited about because if you're not excited about it you're not going to finish it you, you'll probably get to 80 yep. percent. and same with jobs like if you're in a job you're not completely excited about i get if you have to keep your paycheck and that kind of thing like don't just don't have a contingency plan and just bail out right away always have a course of action but if you're not if you're not excited about your life you're not going to have a good life it's just going to go through the motions and then oh whatever i'll be free of this prison when i'm dead and maybe you'll you'll be dead one day and realize that's not the end of awareness and that you haven't reconciled with that uncomfortable energy exchange so i picked the the art i'm i'm excited about in the moment i do keep a i i write very messily i I keep notes on my, my phone and on post-it notes and in various notebooks, just anywhere there is some way to record the thought, I try to record it. And um, I, I revisit them sometimes, but mostly I, I act on what's new before I think it's stupid because oftentimes I do write something down and look at it a month later and it just seems like the most basic, obvious, non, non-deep, interesting thing there is. Why would I act on that? It's the joy of art, right? <laughs> Reflecting on your uh, your previous ideas, being like, "Wow, what was I thinking?" Sometimes they're really good, though. Sometimes it's, "Oh, I, can't, I I wrote that. That's that's awesome. I forgot I even made that. That's one I was so excited about. I wanted to do it that night, and then I got tired and I fell asleep, and then I had this appointment the next day, and then it got lost for months, and we we forget. Our memory is so crazy, isn't it? Like we can't remember what we ate three days ago and 
we do remember certain pockets of things and some of it's buried in the subconscious and you can only hold so many objects in your head mentally. And I don't know, I'm fascinated by that. Maybe Neuralink is going to give us a, a bigger headspace. Like instead yeah, there's going to be like some hard drive. You're going to have like a terabyte hard drive somewhere else that uh, in the middle of the desert that uploads everything you see. So you can pull it back later there's in the cloud. I like a lot called uh, Accelerando by Charles Strauss, where he um, it takes place after the singularity. So singularity isn't like everything's over and we're just a dense ball of black hole. It's just more, there's no more dying and there's no, uh, um, no more scarcity, but also with abundance comes the problems with abundance. If we're still engaged in some kind of a rat race and, uh, the main character has this thing called his exocortex, which is what our phones are right now. When you think about it, all our emails and, correspondences and thoughts or our schedule is stored in our exocortex and his is just literally like in his glasses or something and then there comes a time when he gets mugged and when he loses his uh, exocortex he can barely even speak the way that grammarly helps you compose better um better emails, emails and stuff and yeah the way that uh Crap, I had another example. Oh, yeah, we, we don't remember people's phone calls or not phone calls. We don't remember phone numbers anymore. We used to remember them in the 90s. Now you just remember like maybe two or three phone numbers. So those have all been offloaded to the exocortex. And uh, the same thing is possibly going to happen with faces if we're brought up with face recognition technology that uh, gives people's name. As soon as you look at them, it gives them their whole shit. So you don't wow. remember like this generation could grow up if they're not uh, if they're not stopping that muscle from atrophying. Maybe the face recognition is no longer a thing humans can do without the exocortex. So that's an interesting thing to think about too. Any other books uh, that you you know recommend a lot or or you know sort of bizarre in that way? Oh sure, uh, I bring up this other one called Metamorphosis of the Prime Intellect. That's a really good short sci-fi story about the, the singularity as well. Time Loops by Eric Wargo is a great exploration about um, time being retrocausal. So stuff in the future influences the past. Like you might get an idea from your future self and they, they kind of need each other to exist. It's not simply history propelling the future forward. And it's not simply everything is fate destiny. It's kind of this mix of, of both. There's a, uh, now that's trippy. Uh, there, I heard that the the three body problem is really good. I haven't I haven't had a chance to finish it yet. I've only gotten like forty pages in. It's a pretty dense read because it's translated from Chinese. But multiple people from different areas of my life have been really pressuring me to read that. So maybe this is me reminding my future self to to read that. Um, well, I'll post all these on our uh, Knowledge Without College book club. Mine, for for the listeners out there, by, uh, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I could I could list more. I'm sure people have read *Sapiens* by Yuval Noah Harari. That's a good one about thinking of us as as humans. It's easy to forget that we're an animal. Yeah, that's that is an absolute gem for anyone who hasn't checked that one out yet. Man. So I hope I gave some good advice. Like, I don't know how much is centered on 
because in my head, I'm like, oh, it's a it's a business podcast. But then I'm thinking about it. It's like it's even in the title, it says nothing about business. It says knowledge without college. And there's it's never been a better time to get knowledge than now. Exactly. And, and knowledge is, you know, I just like to remind people that knowledge is free. It's out there. It's flowing out there. It's really about just going out there and getting it. And uh, But, you know, what's different about now is that before it was about accumulating knowledge and holding it. And now we have to develop this muscle that holds stuff, but lets go of it because you don't know if what you're reading is true. Uh, maybe it's relatively true. Maybe it's true for 2019 to 2021. And then in 2020, it stops or 2022, it stops being true. So uh, Questlove from from the roots has this book on creativity. And he talks about how the brain is something that has to be act we have to treat it more like a, a receiver now than we do as a as just a storage mechanism for for knowledge so also keep that in mind you have to be active with your knowledge and not just accumulate bananas and let them rot yeah i've even caught myself like quoting some stat about like someone told me something about how iphones are made of like samsung screens or something and i was like I was like, oh, yeah, I heard like iPhones made of Samsung screens. And they're like, oh, no, they're like LG now. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like that was like an 18-month-old stat that is no longer valid, completely false now, you know? Oh, yeah, and that's only going to accelerate, huh? Yeah, so, yeah, totally good point. You have to be able to keep your, keep your database of information free-flowing, not stuck to any single ideas because it's bound to change. Are you a fan of uh, Terrence McKenna at all? Oh, yeah. So Terrence... He said this in the in the early 90s or maybe, yeah, early 90s, he was talking about how our, our tools are changing at a rate that, like you would say that, okay, Mosaic is the best tool that the internet has ever seen. And then weeks later, it's junk Mosaic. Netscape is the best tool ever that the human mind has ever conceived of. And he says, oh, you play with Netscape and you realize, yeah, it's it's much better. And it's so funny hearing him talk about Netscape Navigator, like it's the cutting edge tool that's replaced Mosaic, which has replaced the encyclopedias. And man, uh, who who knows whether I'm I've been using Firefox and Chrome, and there's something way 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 better, and I'm just not aware of it right now because I'm I'm living by what me a few weeks ago thought. <laughs> yeah, this right there probably is. Well, Rummy, man, it's been awesome talking to you. This has been a lot of fun going down this rabbit hole here. Um, I, hope I, I hope I gave something of value to some people. I, I, I think you did. I think you did. I mean, I definitely had a good time, so at least there's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, uh, do you got anything coming out in the future that, that you want to uh, blast out? People should check out Google or anything I've like that? I've got a new book called uh, Infinite Elephants, which you can get on my website. Uh, rainbowbrainskull.com you can also go to my Instagram Ramin Nazer uh, is my handle um, and uh, hope you enjoy the the things that I post there and if you don't then there's plenty of other stuff to, to look at the, the combination of pixels you can look at on those squares is, is endless I still think it is truly endless yeah we haven't come out with all the configurations yet but we're getting there we're getting there, and Ramin is a big part of it. He's making some really beautiful um, uh, sets of pixels there. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that.
Of course. Well, everyone check out, check out your work and, uh, and thanks again for coming on. It's been awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please, Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.